If you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm 42. Psalm 42, as we mention every single week, you could download our uh, church app, and there you will have notes that you could follow along with us, and so you can keep that in mind. I wanted to, as you're turning to that passage, I wanted to start off and uh, ask the question, how many of you have seen the movie Inside Out by Pixar? Uh, I'm, I'm guessing many of you have seen this uh, movie that has come out. And the movie was produced in 2015, and it's a story about this 11-year-old girl named Riley. And it goes into her mind of all these different emotions that she feels. Uh, there are five major emotions that are personified. Uh, there's joy, there's sadness, there's fear, there's disgust, and of course, anger that all of us can relate to. And so in this story about this girl, these emotions are inside her brain. It's kind of like a console, and it's inside her brain, and it just tells a wide range of how a person feels, especially when they go through something in their life. And it was such a popular movie that it actually made $857.6 million. This is USD. And it was such a popular movie. And I think one of the reasons why is because it touches upon something that all of us can relate to which is that all of us are emotional beings and we have a tendency to feel some of these emotions depending on what circumstances that we might be in. So at this time, for those of us who didn't see the movie or for, as a refresher, I wanted to kind of show a, a little clip of this movie that introduces to you all the different emotions that are being personified in this movie. So let's watch this together. Now, if I were to ask you uh, which of those emotions take precedence or I guess always tend to be prominent in your life? I'm wondering what it will be. In fact, I was thinking about this and I said to myself, what if they made a movie about me or a movie about you? And it would go through all the emotions that we feel on a given day or maybe a given week or a given month, a given year. I'm wondering which one of them will be more prominent in our lives and how we will respond to different circumstances that we face on a given day. You know, one of the things you have to be able to understand is that God created us in such a way that we are, all of us here are emotional beings. And therefore, emotions in and of themselves are not necessarily wrong or bad because that's how God created us. But where it gets very dangerous is that when we allow these emotions to take control of us and begin to affect our attitudes and even our actions, and then it begins to hurt ourselves or other people. I think in this generation, more people are struggling with mental health issues that are related to our emotions. There's an increased feelings of anxiety, people who are very uh, worried about things in their lives. There are people who don't know how to handle stress because of the things that are surrounding them, the circumstances that are they are in. Oftentimes it leads to things like isolation and even depression. And as you think through those things, you realize that a lot of it is connected, whether it is through our thoughts and how it affects our emotions. And so that's why I think it's important as we talk about this issue of emotions. According to the American Psychological Association, 12% of millennials have been officially diagnosed with anxiety disorder. 
Now, it might not seem like a lot, 12%, but if you kind of put all the young people in this generation together, you realize that it, it does make up a good chunk of people in our generation. It is estimated that about 30% of working millennials are classified with general anxiety. So that we're talking about a third of those people who are working are constantly feeling the sense of anxiety. Also a study by the American College uh, Health Association, they assess that close to 61% of all college students experience frequent anxiety. Now there's an increased discovery that technology has this huge role in a lot of the stress and anxiety and depression and especially social isolation and loneliness, how they're tied in together. A study reported by Time Magazine found that people in the age bracket of 25 to about 34 check their phones on the average of 50 times a day. Uh, I'm wondering if I can get a witness to that and you are part of that percentage. Now think about it, just from 25 to 34, people are checking their phones and on the average of 50 times a day. And those who are in the bracket of 35 and 45, those who are a little bit older, it has been discovered that they check their phones on the average of 35 times a day. So a little bit less, because you know why? Because we're busier and we have families and we have other things that we got to do, but they check their phones still 35 times a day. Uh, TechCrunch, which is a news outlet for things related to technology and business, they estimated that adults spend about five hours daily on mobile phones or mobile devices, whether it's an iPad or just on your phone. And so I want you to think about this for a second. That an average adult spends five hours on a mobile device. So that's about 21% of our daily lives. And that means that it is equal to 30% of our waking hours that's constantly on the phone. I think it's good that many people are slowly realizing and understanding that we have a problem and things need to change. I, I believe that the Bible has a lot to say about the struggle with our emotions, uh, regardless of where it comes from and regardless of what it's associated with. Therefore, as we continue in our pivot series, in our sermon series, uh, we want to make sure that we address this issue that so many people in our generation that we struggle with these emotions and we don't know how to handle them. Uh, if you remember from last week, we talked about the importance of pivoting directionally, especially when we have to make decisions and as God closes a chapter and ends into a new chapter, that we got to learn how to pivot and to be able to go in the direction that God has called us to go into. Today, I want to talk more about pivoting emotionally, especially when we're facing a lot of emotional turmoil. Uh, before we get started in God's Word, uh, we want to kind of have some time of huddle groups. Uh, some of you who are new to our church, uh, oftentimes when we do a video sermon, we want to kind of break it up instead of just looking at the screen. Uh, we want to have an opportunity for you to interact with one another so you can share your insights and kind of open up your life to the person next to you. You might not know the person next to you very well, but hopefully you could uh, open up and share with one another. And what I'm going to do is just, I'm going to have you read a quote. So that's the first thing, and the quote will be appearing on the screen soon. But I want you to answer these two questions after you read the quote. And the first 
Question is this. If many people experience various emotions in varying degrees, such as depression, why is it so hard to share with other people what we are feeling? The second question that I want you to talk about is what are some of the positive and negative ways that people deal with the outbreak of their emotions? So the quote will be up on the screen as well as those two questions and we want to give you some time to talk about it together. So if you can go ahead and turn to somebody next to you and read the quote and answer these two questions and then we'll come right back. I hope you had a good huddle group and you were able to share with one another. I don't know about you, but there have been many times when I've struggled personally with some of the emotions that I was going through. Uh, and some of it were related to circumstances, things that were outside of my control, or things that might have happened that caused me to respond a certain way. All I know is that there are other times when there's a dark cloud and it just seems like you're, it's, you're feeling very blue. And... When I go through those emotional state, unless I could clearly focus, I'm realizing that it's easier to just give in to our emotion. I remember feeling a bit down and discouraged one time, and then I came across this picture. I want you to look at this picture, and something about this picture, when I looked at it, it really made me smile, and it really encouraged me a lot. As you can tell, I don't know if they're a specific frog family or not. Uh, I'll just call them amphibians. Uh, amphibian creatures, if you will. And if you look at this, you'll notice that this amphibian is doing everything possible to hold on. And he's even holding on to the leg of his friend or whoever it may be, even though he probably wants to let go. I'm just wondering how many of us have felt this in our lifetime. I know for myself, I'm feeling this all the time. I'm just feeling like I'm barely hanging on. And it's easy for me wanting to just let go. And that's why I think it's important as we think through this that we have to think about God's Word, the promises of God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8 through 9, in the New Living Translation, it says this, We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Another verse that I will encourage you is in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5b in the NIV. It says this, Because God has said, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Other translations of Hebrews chapter 13, 5b, it says this in the New Living Translation, For God has said, I will never fail you, I will never abandon you. The message translation of that same verse says, Since God assured us, I'll never let you down, never walk off and leave you. So I want to go ahead and look into Psalm chapter 42. Hopefully you've turned to it and see what God has to say when it concerns this idea of pivoting emotionally. So turn to, to Psalm 42. And as I mentioned before, if you could turn to our app, you could follow along. So let me give us the one thing. The one thing that I want you to remember as we talk about Psalm 42, is simply this, that if we are at the end of our rope, turn to God, who is our ultimate hope. Whenever we feel that there's, we want to let go and there's nothing left, we have come to the end of the, our rope, uh, we must turn to God, who is our ultimate hope. I'm going to highlight two things in this passage as we look at what the psalmist writes about, especially when it deals with emotions. Two things that we must remember about turning to God, who is our ultimate hope, when we come to the end of the rope. The first thing is this, we must 
confess our emotions. That we must confess our emotions. If you look at the psalm, you will notice before verse 1, we see this title of the psalm as to the choir master, or masculine of the son of Korah. You have to understand the sons of Korah were a group of priests who were responsible in charge, or that was part of their duties, to minister in the ministry of worship and in praise. So therefore, the psalm was really a song and a praise that was supposed to be sung in public worship. Now, this is important because something about worship, something about singing songs helps us to express what we are feeling and what we're going through in our lives. So let's go ahead and read verse 1 and 2 of this passage in Psalm 42. It says this, As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Right away we see the psalm expressing this longing and a desire for God. The metaphor, which I thought was very interesting, is this idea of this deer who is panting. Because whether he is thirsty or whether he is tired, we notice that he is longing and seeking for the flowing streams. And it is a very important description because just as a deer needs water to sustain himself, so we need God to sustain our lives because God is the main source of our spiritual lives. There are times when we have to experience thirst in our lives for us to realize that only God can give us what we need. Uh, I, I don't know how many of you have ever played or organized sports before, but I have. And I've always wondered why they only have water. And the thing is that uh, there are times when I wish I could drink a Coke or a Pepsi or maybe a lemonade. And I quickly realized that the more I drink anything that is very sugary, that it makes me more thirsty. And it's just hard to understand where why drinking this that's very refreshing makes me even more thirsty than ever before. And then as I thought about it, I realized even such as drinks as Gatorade or any of these sports drinks, what they do is that they replenish the body with the nutrients that it needs, with all the different sweat that comes out of our body, that it kind of replenishes the sodium and everything else. And But I still think water is the best source of refreshment. Now, as I was thinking about this, I realized how many of us in our lives, in our thirst for God, in our thirst for things that are eternal, we have just filled those things with the things of this world. And I think if all of us are very honest, we have to say that oftentimes we have found ourselves at least knowing that we are thirsty, but then we become more thirsty as we fill it with things around us. Instead of filling our thirst with God, we fill it with things, with other people, which makes us more thirsty. And so here is the psalmist, starting off the psalm and using this metaphor, this, this illustration about a deer panting for these flowing waters. And in the same way, he's trying to say, we in our souls, we are thirsting and panting after God. Now, the thing that I want you to understand is in verse 2, it's important to note that the psalm references to God as the living God. 
not some kind of statue or trinket that we worship, but rather it is God who is alive, who is living. He is so concerned about our lives and the things that we're going through that He's able to feel and He's able to understand what we're going through. So here in the first two verses, starts off with this illustration about this deer. And now I want us to look at verse 3 through verse 6a. It says this, My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all the day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How would it, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude keeping festival. Why are you downcast, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. We get a glimpse of the situation in which the psalm was written. The psalmist reveals that he is being taunted by his enemies and what they're saying is, where's your God? Look at your life. Look at the things around you. Where's your God? The God that you say that you worship, where is he in these moments? And then in verse 3, I want you to notice as well, it says that they were saying this all the day long. So it's not just once, but they're constantly reminding the psalmist Look at your situation. Look at what's happening. Where is your God in this moment? I don't know if you've ever been in a situation like this where people are constantly questioning you about the things that you hold so dearly. And you will notice that oftentimes when you get to a point when you feel all alone, like no one understands, it begins to play with your emotions. You know, one of the things that I try to address, especially with leaders, is that being a leader, whether it's in a church, whether it's in uh, the business world or wherever you may be, a lot of times it is a very lonely place to be because no one fully understands everything you're going through. And I think in those times it's really easy to implode and look within yourself and say, well, no one understands. And sometimes there's a high demand placed on you. There are different things that you struggle and you go through but no one fully understands. And I think it's really easy then to have the self-pity. Well, no one understands. And that emotional state affects us in a way that will hinder us experiencing the fullness of God. But in verse 4, what does the psalmist say? The phrase is, these things I remember as I pour out my soul. What the psalmist is doing is he is remembering a time when he used to lead the people in worship. There is something very powerful about remembering or even tapping into your memory of times when you have been close to God. Uh, I might have shared this one time before, but uh, there are different seasons in my life where I feel it's a little bit more stressful than others. There are times when I'm faced with different circumstances that I have no control over. So I just need to surrender and say, God, I fully trust in you. And it's in those moments, one of the things I like to do is just make a playlist. And I have a couple of these playlists that are my go-to playlist. And a lot of it, if you were to hear it, a lot of it are songs from the 80s. Now, I know some of you were not born in the 80s. Some of these songs I used to sing during worship times. Or some of these songs, even during my college years, are songs that really minister to me. 
whether it's because of the words, maybe just the way I associate that song with a particular prayer gathering, or maybe it was a retreat that was like the theme or the popular song. So every single time when I'm struggling and I'm facing all these emotional things, when I listen to this playlist, it helps me to go back to a time when I felt that God was so real. It helps me to go back to a time when I know that God was there. I've experienced the faithfulness of God. I knew how much He, His presence was there, that I knew that no matter what I was facing in my life, that I will be able to overcome. And that's why I think the psalmist understood that he will remember the time, it says, that when he poured out his soul. And that's the same way that there's times in my life that I remember where I was able to cry out to God, where I felt so close to Him. And those are the things that we have to remember. And then he asked the question, why are you downcast, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Listen to how the New Living Translation translates this. It says this, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise Him again, my Savior and my God. This idea of being discouraged, this idea of why our hearts are so sad, what the psalmist was doing was he's doing some self-talk. Now, I'm wondering how many of you ever do self-talk. Now, you got to be careful where you do it, because if you do it in the MTR, they, they might think you're crazy. But when you do self-talk, there's something powerful about it. Because what you're experiencing in that moment, you get so wrapped up and focused on yourself. That when you can pause for a moment as if you're kind of moving outside of yourself, and then you begin to speak to yourself, then oftentimes it helps us to come out of that funk or whatever situation you may be in. So he's using these rhetorical questions to encourage himself. He's saying, why are you so discouraged? Why is, why is, my, why is your heart so sad? And he says, hope in God, for I shall again praise Him. This idea of hoping in God means to wait on Him. To be able to say you're experiencing all these emotional things because of all the circumstances that are around you. You can't change those, th those things. Some of the things that you do want to change, it takes time. So when you hope in God, what you're really saying is, I'm willing to wait upon God. I'm going to wait for Him to change me. I'm going to wait for Him to intervene in that situation. I'm not going to try to manipulate and try to do things, but I'm going to put my hope in God, so therefore I'm going to wait on God and God alone. It's also interesting that he uses the word again. So the psalmist is imagining a time where he will praise God and give God worship and it helps him to give him this hope and endurance. I shall again praise Him. Because I praised Him before, I've experienced what that felt like, and I will do that again. I think this is the pivot point for us in our lives. Especially when you're feeling all these negative emotions in your life. As well as when you're in situations that there's nothing you can really do. That this is the moment where you have to ask yourself, where are you putting your hope? What are you waiting for? Because oftentimes we can't wait. 
That's why we have a hard time with patience and even to define or even the translation of the word patience means long-suffering. And a lot of times it's difficult for us. And so what happens? We take matters into our own hands. We just react in our emotions and our self-centeredness. So if we want to pivot emotionally and turn away from those things that pull us down, then it is the question you have to ask, where are you placing your hope? And to whom are you placing your hope? How about us this morning? What is your confession about God when you go through discouraging times? Are you able to freely confess your emotions to God and pour out your heart to God? Or for some of us, we bottle the emotions all in and then something happens and then we explode. What God desires is for us to be able to confess the things that we feel and confess that to Him pour out our souls to Him. I'm wondering when was the last time you acknowledged or you even understood this kind of thirst and seeking in your heart. It is oftentimes when we're going through a lot of emotional up and downs where it's so easy to try to fill this thirst in our hearts with the things of this world. That's why some of us, we struggle with addictions. That's why some of us become emotionally dependent on things and other people. Do you understand your thirst? And are you turning to God in that moment? I wanted to have us break up into uh, huddle groups again and just kind of think about this first point of confessing our emotions to God. And then also just thinking about how do we then channel that to the right proper uh, avenue so that we may be able to overcome. So the first question is simply this. What are some things that help you to remember who God is and what He has done for you? The second question is, is there anything that helps you to channel your negative emotions to something that is more positive rather than allowing it to be destructive? So I want to go ahead and give you some time to talk about that and then we'll come back together and finish off with the second point. I hope you had a good time of your sharing with one another. And as I mentioned in that first point, how we must confess our emotions to God. I want to just quickly finish off with the second point. And the second point is simply this, that we have to not only confess our emotions, but we have to channel our emotions in the right place. We have to remember that there is nothing wrong. As I mentioned earlier, some of the emotions that we feel, that makes us human. God made us not only as intellectual beings, but as emotional beings. But as I mentioned earlier, the danger is when you begin to feel these emotions, the question is, how do you channel those emotions? What do you do with those emotions? How does it affect you? And how do you respond? Listen to what Martin Lloyd-Jones says in his book, Reflections. He writes this, Indeed, I can put it finally like this. The ultimate cause of all spiritual depression is unbelief. For if it were not or unbelief, even the devil could do nothing. It is because we listen to the devil instead of listening to God that we go down before him and fall before his attacks. What a great reminder for all of us that one of the main causes for depression and other negative emotions is our unbelief. 
the things that we don't believe about who God is and what he has said in his word. And that's exactly where Satan comes in and then he uses those emotions and that sin of unbelief to cause us to go down this road where we will either go further down in the spiral or we get very apathetic and we don't want to do anything else. Sometimes it will cause us to even get angry and we begin to lash out on people and we don't exhibit love for people, which oftentimes is the thing that helps us to open up our emotions in such a way that we can receive healing, words of encouragement for those people who do care for us. It is really about learning how to channel those thoughts, those feelings in the right way. So let's continue as we talk about channeling our emotions. Let's read verse 6b through verse 11 to end of the chapter. It says this, My soul is cast down within me, therefore I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, and from the Mount Mazar. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me. A prayer to God of my life, I say to you, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning? Because of the oppression of the enemy. As with the deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all day long, where is your God? Why are you downcast, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. The psalmist continues to share how his soul is downcast. It seems as if the psalmist remembers this mountainous region of Jordan and of Hermon. And we notice here, it most likely is the place where the psalmist probably spent most of his time in prayer. When you look throughout the Bible, you realize uh, mountains and these places where they're high up are places where even Jesus went to in solitary, uh, solitary moments where he would go and pray. And so we notice that he remembers these times when he's praying, especially when he was overwhelmed with different emotions in his life. And then in verse 7, the psalmist is figuratively describing how his problems have come over him like this crashing wave. And it's, he describes it almost like a waterfall. It's like a flood coming in. Then he shifts and as he looks and once again, it's the issue of pivoting. Then in verse 8, the psalmist calls upon God to deliver him and he does it by how? He does it by praying. That's why in verse 9 and 10, it's easy to feel as you listen to the psalmist, he's saying, God, why have you uh, not only forsaken, but you have forgotten me. But it is when we channel our thoughts and emotions through prayer towards the things that are true. That's how we're going to overcome. So if I could present it this way, prayer literally becomes the conduit in which you're going to be able to encounter the truth, who God is, uh, what He says in His Word, so that we may be able to overcome some of the negative emotions that we're feeling. Prayer is such a very important part of learning how to channel those emotions. This is the reason why we can trust in God. You know, when I think about my life, and as I mentioned earlier, all those times when things were very difficult and you go through all your emotional ups and downs, 
especially when you feel like you're carrying all this weight, burden, uh, especially when you're in this kind of calling where you're ministering to other people all the time. I'm realizing more and more that if I am not close to God and spending time with Him, communing with Him, it's easy to start operating on empty. And that everything you do is all about just on your own strength, your own power. And as you're empty, you're going to want to fill it with so many other things. And there are times when I just crash and I'm, I'm just literally exhausted where God has to then remind me that unless I fill you up, you're going to be continuing to be empty and thirsty. And that's when I have to humble myself and say, God, like, I need to be in your presence. I need to spend some time in prayer. That doesn't mean that you have to like get on your knees in this little room and just start crying out to God. There are times when I'm just walking and I'm realizing that I'm just checking messages or I'm listening to something and, and just to drown everything out and just being in His presence and just communing with Him. That's why in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, and also in verse 6 and 7 in the NIV, here's Apostle Paul telling the people of Philippi, the Christians there, he says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let me just pause here for a moment. Like to be able to say, to have this joy, regardless of the circumstances or the situation you're in, no matter how you feel, all the negative emotions that you might be going through, here's Paul that says, rejoice. And he doesn't just say it once, he says it again. He says, rejoice. And then in verse seven, uh, 6 and 7, listen to what he says. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer, that's a key phrase, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. Listen to what the New Living Translation says of verse 6a. It says, don't worry about anything, Instead, pray about everything. Now, that's the one thing right there. Listen to what it says. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. The more you begin to pray, the more you realize your thoughts, your emotions, it will lead you to what God says. What God says about you. What God says about that situation. And that's when you're going to have this greater sense of peace in your life. How about us this morning? When you go through your emotional ups and downs, who do you turn to? Where do you channel that? To whom do you channel that to? When was the last time you spent some good quality time in prayer and communion with God? Yes, you, we, we can all say we're so busy. Yes, we can all say that there's so much to do. But when you really understand that Prayer is the channel in which you could put all your burdens, all your worries, all your emotional things, and it will lead you to God. That's when you experience genuine freedom. Do you find yourself turning to instant and quick fixes, which put you in more in bondage? Maybe we've got to stop and say, yeah, that friend is great because they listen. Yeah, I like to relax and maybe just watch a whole Netflix series. But how many of you know that sometimes when you turn to different things, it just gets you more tired and more depressed because now you're further behind in your work? 
I'm wondering what we need to do is stop and then look up and turn to God and say, God, may you be the one that will fill my heart. We must channel our emotions. So the one thing, once again, is that if we're not, if we are at the end of our rope, turn to God, who is our ultimate hope. And this is simply the gospel. That every single one of us, because we have been created in the image of God, that we have these emotions. But because of the fall, these emotions oftentimes are tainted. A lot of times it's driven by our selfish natures, things that we want, things that we don't want. And a lot of times Satan comes in and he uses the sin of unbelief, not fully trusting in God, and it begins to affect us in our lives. And instead of really turning to God and say, God, it is in this moment that I see my own bankruptcy, that all these emotions, it, it just highlights stuff going on in here. We turn to all the things of this world, which leads us further in a downward spiral. But this is when Jesus Christ, because He loves you so very much, He came and lived the perfect life that you and I could not live, and He died on the cross so that we can have eternal life. So these emotions that we feel, now we have an avenue to channel it as we pray and commune with God to renew our minds, to understand what the truth is and not letting ourselves be dictated by the things of this world or even the things that we feel and believing one day that everything that we do, there's a greater purpose. If you would only humble yourself and say, God, I need you. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner and I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. This is the beginning step to experiencing a true life that God has intended for you to live. For some of us, we know the gospel. But the problem is we don't know how to appropriate that gospel, the good news that we know in our lives. And this is why some of us, when we go through these emotions, just because you're a Christian doesn't mean that you're better off. We now know as followers of Jesus Christ, we could turn to Him, channel these emotions to Him. So we have to pivot and say, God, where am I placing my hope? And I pray that you will be able to pivot towards the things of God, the heart of God, as you begin to pray. So let me give us some quick next steps to think about, especially this coming week with exams and a lot of stress at work and all the different things that are going on at home. Here's some quick practical things for us to think about. And I, I'm, I'm trying to keep it somewhat general so that you could kind of specifically apply it the way the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. The first thing is this, to retreat with God. you you got to spend some time away with God on a regular basis. In fact, if I give you a more of a practical help for you, it will be so helpful just to have a specific time where you're spending time with God. Because on any given day, anything could happen. And even though in your mind you're thinking, I'm going to spend time with God, I'm going to pray a little bit, but if something comes up, something urgent, something immediate, it's so easy to then shift your focus back on the thing that you have to do and you forget about God. So carve it into your life and say, at this moment, I have an appointment with God. Uh, in my calendar, I, that's what I do. I simply say, meet with God. As I meet with all these other people, I put it in my calendar. I said, meet with God, and I do it at that specific time. Another thing that I would suggest practically along with this is this uh, retreat with God is sometimes it's so helpful to maybe even maybe every other week, once a month, carve out maybe three hours, four hours just in the afternoon on a Saturday and just retreat with God. Uh, some of you love nature. Go out and just 
be reminded of the creation of God. For some of us, we like to just kind of relax and just, I don't know, go somewhere and just sit there, drink coffee and just look out and just whatever, whatever you're going to do, part of learning how to channel your emotions and turning to God in prayer is learning how to retreat to be able to process some of those emotions that you're feeling. The second thing is this, to redirect your focus. Because often when you feel the emotions, we focus on ourselves. Redirect it. Just like the psalmist says, why are you so downcast on my soul? What does he say? He says, hope in God. So the, so the focus is now different. Don't focus on yourself, but put your hope in God. Think about even when you remember those times when God was real. So redirect your focus. And lastly, reach out for help. It is so important that oftentimes when we are going through these emotional things, part of learning how to pivot is to realize that maybe for some of us, we've been trying to do this all by ourselves. So part of pivoting is learning how to pivot to those people who love you and care for you. As you reach out for help, they'll be able to bring forth a sense of community, that you're not alone. That's our hope and prayer, that you will begin to experience God's love through the community that you will experience. So reach out there, people who love you, people who care for you. So whatever emotions that you're feeling, uh, reach out to people. Say, hey, I, I could really use some prayer because I'm struggling with this. It just takes honesty and vulnerability, but I believe that God will help you. At this time, we want to close out with a video. And as you watch this video, I pray that it will help summarize a lot of the things that I've been saying. And then as you watch this, that may it be an encouragement to you. That even as you feel all these things, that God is with you. And that you could place your hope in Him and Him alone. So after the video, we're going to go and close out and pray and worship. And let's refocus everything back on God. <laughs> 